Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 120, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the Big E, joining me pretty much as always, this time from the studio, member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klosper. And Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Recording on a Monday. Recording on Monday afternoon. Right. A little bit of an odd right. oddity odd for time. us. But nevertheless, great time to be here. Uh, very Packer-filled episode, so uh, we will touch on the other sports going around the state of Wisconsin, as we always do. But, spoiler alert, m- less than a minute in, this is going to be a heavy Packer episode, with good reason. Right. Uh, before we get into that, though, we got to talk about our friends first over at Rage and Pro Wrestling, RPW. RPW Heatwave 3 coming up August 26th from the Watering Hole in Green Bay. Tickets are still available, but going quickly. You're not going to want to miss this, as always. Always great shows by Raging Pro Wrestling. A um, couple of the matches going on. We've got Ja C versus Davey Vega. Uh, some of the other matches kind of going on and kind of scrolling through because they have a lot of events coming up in the next couple months, Sean. Uh, Ethan Matthews versus Dr. X at Heatwave. A mixed tag team match. Shaza McKenzie and Gary J versus Percy Drew and Kenzie James. Uh, Jaden Mercer versus Adam Grace. Several debuts. Adam Grace has been on AEW a few times here and there. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, just kind of going through here. RPW Heavyweight a TV taping as neither will uh, Sierra and Joey Avalon. But as per usual, RPW always getting TV talents, and that's kind of the the backdraw of getting TV talents. Sometimes they're not able to make it. Right. Um, another match, Heroes of Our Time in a tag team match. The tag team champions taking on Nick Colucci and Salem Crane. So plenty of going on over there. Also, just already announced for November, back-to-back nights of events. RPW Homecoming 1 will feature... Former WWE star Swaggle will be appearing. He'll be facing Preston Palmer as of right now. Also, hometown Santana Garrett, former RPW Women's Champion, will be returning to RPW for that event as well. Tickets again for that one going fast. So if you want to be in attendance for any of these RPW events, a few different ways to get your tickets. First of all, rpwprowrestling.com. You can go there, buy the tickets directly from them. Also, I'm sure if you message Rich on Facebook through the RPW Rage and Pro Wrestling Facebook page, I'm sure they'll have something available for you. Also, the venues themselves have tickets, as does Look Sharp in the Fox River Mall. Cannot go wrong. Some of the best time that we've had, you know, the the best $30 you will spend in quite some time. So be sure to check them out. They always got contests going on for different promotions. Um, I believe they have one coming up where if you buy your tickets in advance, You'll get tickets to uh, WWE SmackDown coming up uh, later this year. Nice. So be sure to check them out. Also, our friends over at Ray's Energy RepSports.com, code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four, gets you 15% off of any order through RepSports.com, whether that be the Ray's Energy products, the Ray's Energy powder, energy drink, uh, the protein powder, the supplements, the sleep supplements, the different food options they have there. It's all there. 15% off any order code ROOT4. With that, Sean, we get in the episode. It's been a few weeks 
since we recorded about two weeks, as our summer break officially comes to an end with the start of Packer season as well in the NFL. Um, so we will be back to our typical every week broadcasting. Uh, subject to change, obviously, things can pop up. Uh, we're not perfect. We are human. But we are on schedule to be back at this just about every week. So summer break over. With that in mind, Sean, the last couple of weeks, what had you rooted for? Brought to you by Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores, including the Green Bay Packers as they start the NFL season. Show your love for your team. Always good deals going on there. Uh, today, I believe they have a sale going on with hashtag or with uh, code promo code SUMMER. Gets you 15 20% off of your order today, uh, I believe for the next couple of days here, actually. Um, but be sure to check them out as well. Sean, I'll let you lead off. What have you rooted for in the last two weeks? I think I had rooted for county fairs and that kind of stuff. Okay. And just kind of doing stuff outside. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's what it was. And we didn't get to go to the Kiwani County Fair like we had talked about the last time we recorded. But because it was so freaking hot. Mm-hmm. So, but... Yeah, just doing stuff outside this last weekend. We put a fence in for a couple of our friends, and just it was just nice to be outside and do work outside and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I got you. I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of continue on with that. The the just essence of enjoying summer. I mean, um, I've been to a few Timberwolves games in the last couple of weeks, so that's always always fun. Always a great night, or you know, great fourteen fifteen dollars. Right. Um, very enjoyable time. Uh, floating, you know, one of the things we do up north, floating the river. Uh, always a great time. Sitting in a tube, drinking beer, floating down a river as the current takes you. Can't be beat. No, that re- they really can't. Um, amazing how sore you end up after. Mm-hmm. From sitting in an in plastic inner tube, or rubber well, inner not, tube. Well, not really. I wouldn't say sore from sitting in the tube. Just, you know... Hitting all the rocks and having to get up and see. Luckily speaking for us, this last oh, we went this last it, weekend. It, it was pr- high enough where that wasn't really the case. It rained but, enough, um, so we didn't have to get out other than the sandbars that we mm-hmm. got out. You normally do, stuff. but uh, yeah. All in all, just being outside, enjoying the great state of Wisconsin. Um, trying to think because the last time we talked about the Iola Car Show Fourth of July, yep. Yep. so that's all in the rear view mirror. Um, I did say last time that we were going to do a draft of fair food. Secretary Shauna is not here. She is on babysitting duty with our niece. So she is not available for that draft. But we can kind of talk about just some of the basics, concession food. Uh, we'll do that in a little bit later here in the episode. But, yes, ab- absolutely. Uh, just, like you said, enjoying Wisconsin summer, getting to a couple ball games and the general stuff like that. Uh, but as Sean, as you know, with the positives do come the negatives, and that leads us to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And, Sean, do you have anything off the top of your head right now? I don't think I have anything off the top of my head. I can't think of anything. You know, I really, the only thing I can think of, and I can say this because no one got hurt, or at least not critically, but people, honest to God, I, the people who, you know, street racing and stuff, it is getting so ridiculous where the story in Green Bay this morning waking up uh, was the story of two cars that were racing and crashed into a building on Main Street. Luckily, no one was there. It was in the middle of the night. But it just, 
is so ridiculous to me right that that is occurring and by no means i mean i i will be the first to admit that i did not always follow the speed limit and especially as a kid you know i we did our fair share of dumb stuff you hit a pole it's okay i did hit a pole once that was backing out of a driveway i that's a whole different story <laughs> for a different day. But just, like I said, it's just one of those things where it's just nobody wins with it, you know? Right. So be careful. Be safe out there. Uh, don't make dumb decisions is my, my yeah, nuggie. exactly. Um, all in all, for sports-wise, it's been a pretty solid, pretty positive time frame. Um, so not really a whole lot to go into nuggie world. Um Really, just and I think we talked about this last time. Just the ridiculous amount of money that NBA players are making. Yeah. Um. I actually, I'm gonna give a little bit of a nuggie to the NFL ownership right now and the NFL GMs with the whole running backs deal. Right. Um. I do feel, you know, I guess I don't feel bad for multi million dollar athletes, but at the same time, I do think running backs are getting screwed. And that's something that, at least in sports wise, I think I don't know what the answer to fix it is. I've seen. You know, arguments of maybe the NFLPA stepping in and shortening rookie contracts. You can't just, you know, do what the Vikings did. Get a carbon copy of your current running back and then let him go and let him walk and only pay him for two years and then get another one and get another one and get another one and so forth. I don't think that's the answer. But I I, I feel like we're not back in the 80s, 90s, early, anytime earlier than that where you need to have a really good running back in order to be good. I mean, it helps, but you look at the Titans right now that they're right around 500 every year. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. It, it It's bad to say, but it's the truth of where we are right now. It It is an odd spot because, you know, for every, you know, Derrick Henry is solid. I mean, he's, right. he's a great running back for this generation. Um, he may even end up going down as one of the greatest physical backs right. of the 2000s even. But at the same time, when you t- like you said, you talk about the position as a whole, the league is trending more towards like an Aaron Jones type or even Delvin Cook. Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey. And you have one of two options if you're one of these guys. Either you pull the Aaron Jones and you take team discounts, you take a discount to play for who you want to play for. Right. Or... You go the Christian McCaffrey route, you demand a trade and get a huge extension, which is few and far between. Or you're sitting there looking like Jonathan Taylor probably will next year. Josh Jacobs, who led the league in scoring last year um, in yards and so many categories, and all these other guys who didn't get extensions. They got franchise tagged, didn't get extensions done. So you're sitting there forced to, for their position group, um, basically just kind of sit there and wait and be at the mercy of the rest of the league around you. So I, I, I really don't know what the answer is, but at the same time, it's something that needs to be addressed, but I don't have an answer either. Right. So with that, Sean, uh, that leads us into our next segment, which is generally our weird Wisconsin web story of the week. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different trip on this one here, and we're going to talk a little bit of pop culture. Pop culture. And huh? the reason being... That the number one movie in the U.S. this last weekend, and its debut, was the Barbie movie. <laughs> now, I find it utterly ridiculous. I know people who have seen it. 
there's a decent chance that at some point Shauna and I are going to see it. Just because it's honestly at this point kind of like a pop culture phenomenon. What I don't know if you know this or not, and I kind of wanted to just bring it up and talk about this in general, is that did you know that Barbie, the character, is from a fictional town in Wisconsin? No, did not know that. Um, I'd have to. I believe it's Willow, Wisconsin, which Willow. I really don't. I think that's supposed to be in the Madison area. Okay. But I brought this up again because it's impossible to kind of not realize how big this pop cult this phenomenon is, and mm-hmm. I found a way to kind of tie it into <laughs> Wisconsin sports. Uh, in Wisconsin, or Willows, Wisconsin. Is the name of it. Not Willow. Willow is the actual city. Um, but Willows, Wisconsin, which is supposedly. Um, so Willow is real. Willows is not. But Willows is, I believe, in the Madison area. Okay. But, uh, like, you know, just kind of talking about the, the top Wisconsin based TV movies, whatever. Um, it, it's odd the shows that they end up picking. Like I think one of the soap is it The Young and the Restless is actually based out of Wisconsin, or there's some soap opera. Don't that's ask famous. me. I have no idea. Um, Cheers. No, not Cheers. Um, Happy Days. Yep, Happy Days. Milwaukee. Uh, that '70s show is in mm-hmm. the Milwaukee area. Kenosha. Thereabouts. Um, so it's just kind of odd when you really kind of sit and stand back and think about these shows, movies based out of Wisconsin that. Don't really have that, and again, Barbie being Willows, Wisconsin, um, which I really don't understand why the person picked Wisconsin, especially when you think of Barbie, you think of Malibu Barbie. Right. But Willows, Wisconsin, uh, the hometown of Barbie and the new phenomenon of the Barbie movie, which broke all sorts of box office records over the weekend. My movie I've choice over the weekend was actually Oppenheimer, uh, which was very good for those of you. I uh, cannot think of any Wisconsin ties to it, but I'm sure <laughs> there are some. Um, but that's the extent of our weird Wisconsin story. Pretty, again, all things considered, pretty normal weeks. Wait. The last two weeks. Um, which is, I guess, a good thing. Yeah, not much really going on. But, but good thing. Just people enjoying life in Wisconsin. Um so with that, Sean, we can kind of dive fully into the world of sports. Uh, we can start down south. We'll start not really much going on in the world of the Bucks, other than Giannis trying to claim that he's uh, Mbappe. Mbappe and trying to make a billion dollars, which all the power to him. Right. Uh, Bucks Summer League, they were not the Bucks or the NBA Summer League champions, which whatever, who cares. Um, Jabari Parker was on the Bucks Summer League roster. He's really? attempting to make an NBA comeback, and the Bucks gave him a shot. So he was yeah. among those playing on the Bucks summer league team. Um, really, not a whole lot to take away from that, though. I mean, it's pretty vanilla basketball, right? Um, so nothing really much to note there. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are back in first place since the last time we talked, playing some of the best baseball in all the major league baseball. Um, in their last ten, they are seven and three. They have an overall record of fifty-five and forty-five, with a half-game lead over the Cincinnati Reds, who, coincidentally enough, are back in town in Milwaukee for a three-game set, I believe. 
and poised for a battle here down the stretch as we approach the trade deadline and approach um, the, I mean, this playoff push. Brewers kind of finally starting to shape into the semblance of a playoff first place team. Um, for a lot of part, a lot of the season. They looked a lot kind of like how we view the AL Central, where the leader of the AL Central currently uh, is the Minnesota Twins at five games above 500. The Brewers are further ahead than that. They are 10 games above. Um, over the last week, I think they hit their season high of 11 games above or tied it. But really, I mean, talking about this Milwaukee Brewers, for so long we talked about staying afloat. And it's kind of that starting to pay off now of being able to stay afloat during those times. Brandon Woodruff is one rehab start away, maybe two from being back on the Major League roster. Yep, uh, yep, yep. As we kind of talk about that, we'll mention this probably a little bit later in the show, but talking about the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the Brewers' uh, high-A affiliate, he will be doing one more rehab stint for sure, that being announced for uh, Thursday the 27th. So I believe there are still some tickets available for that night. So if you want to see Brandon Woodruff pitch for... Not as much as you would going to Milwaukee, and you're in the Fox Valley, greater Green Bay areas. Uh, by all means, be sure to check that out. Tickets are still available, but look like they're going quick. Um, also, if you do go to that Thursday night game, the, the 27th, it is a bike helmet giveaway. Nice. And I believe they're also doing a Jacob Mizoroski poster giveaway, but we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um but Brandon Woodruff is slated to start for the Timber Rattlers on the 27th. So you get your arm, your big arm back, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. your co-big arm back. Uh, but the Brewers' offense has really been driven really by Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich has been right. good again. And, I, you know, knock on wood, because I know what our listeners are going to say about that, Eric to drinks. But I just want to talk about Christian Yelich to this point. At however many games, he leads the team in games. Um, has a batting average of 288, 14 home runs, 54 RBI, OPS of 852. That is not going to win the National League MVP this year. That's no. just the sheer. And I think Christian Yelich's MVP day is probably past him. Right. However, he is going to gather MVP votes. Uh, in all likelihood, he is going to probably fa you know finish in that bottom half of the top ten, but is going to receive votes, mm -hmm. and that is nothing short of phenomenal for kind of what we have been thinking about Christian Yelich up to this season in the last really three years, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Uh, so happy as hell for him, you know, really kind of putting in the work, and it really makes me wonder as to. If it truly was just the shift being banned that helped him out so much, but he goes up the field so much now too, right? Uh, but just again, truly healthy. I think they did a breakdown on one of. I think Mark DeRosa did a breakdown that he something changed in his swing. There's not. There wasn't a. It was either his swing or his. Oh, what do I want? His leg kick. Okay. It was something along those lines where he he's doing the leg kick now compared to. He was having issues with it before. And timing-wise. And ti just as timing-wise. And it really makes you wonder, going back to that 2019 season, we busted his kneecap mm -hmm. on how much of an impact that had on him psychologically, right. physically, like you mentioned. I mean, 
you don't think of, you know, when you come back from that, because, I mean, if he's cleared to play, he should be, right. in theory, good to go. But that's obviously not how sports and bodies work. Um, but, yeah, it, it really does make me wonder on, on the impact of that. And on the side, other side of that, too, again, like I said, staying healthy, um, being able to kind of get back to him. But also, defensively speaking, Sean, uh, I was looking at the numbers because I got in a conversation with somebody about how uh, – they think that he's just basically a bat at this point. And even not a great bat at that. Christian Yelich, as an outfielder, he has had, I believe, one gold glove season. It was back in mm-hmm. Miami. Yep. He is having better numbers, defensively speaking, runs saved, put outs, assists, all that, than he did that gold glove season. Again, is he going to win that award for left field? Probably yeah, no. not. The, the overwhelming majority would point to he probably won't. Right. But again, just the fact that he is back to that, I believe it was Bill Schrader in one game during a day game a couple weeks back, he said, Christian Yelich isn't just hot, he's good again. Right. And if that's that's great for the Brewers. Um, you get your arm back in Brandon Woodruff. Corbin Burns seems to have figured out what was ailing him for this season. He also has the security knowing that he's not going to be dealt this season. Yep. Um, as is not, Willie Thomas is not either. So I can only assume that is helping out these guys mentally immensely um, as well as just kind of looking at the team now over the weekend, a another Brewers rookie made their debut and had arguably one of the best debuts in all of baseball. And that being Sal Freilich uh, kind of, I don't want to say the afterthought of the Brewers rookie group, mm-hmm. because when you look at that 2020, 2021 timeframe of the Milwaukee Brewers, um, and the drafts and, and whatnot, you look at Joey Weimer, you look at Garrett Mitchell, you throw in um, the phenomenal Jackson Trio, just based on, you think of those, those are the guys you think of. And then there's Sal Freilich, who did not get off to a great start in his first season with the Tim Rattlers when they were, I believe they were still like the mid, just regular A. Right. Um, did struggle a little bit out of the gate, even in the 2021 season, or 2022 season, uh, which I believe he did start in Appleton. But he got red hot, and he made his way through the Brewers organization to a 3-for-3 three three MLB debut. First hit, obviously, first RBI, and drove in the game, the go-ahead run in that game as well, um, and scored what, at the time, would have been the go-ahead run on Sunday's game um, until... The Braves had Ozzy Albies hit a three-run home run to put them up for good. And two amazing defensive plays two, also. Exactly. Uh, so Sal Freilich getting the call up over the weekend. Uh, Ramiel Tapia was DFA'd and has actually cleared waivers now as of today. Uh, so no longer with the team. So outfield spot was open. Sal Freilich was hitting way too well in AAA. So why not? Right. Um, so he gets the call up, has made an immediate impact. And really, you just kind of look back and you look at Bryce Terang, who I forgot to mention just a few moments mm-hmm, ago. Mm-hmm. But those were just outfield. Those were just outfield. Three or really four outfield guys. When you look at Weimer, Mitchell, Freilich, and Chorio. Yep. And Chorio is probably a, a couple years away at this point. But the emergence of these three guys, combined with having a steady Christian Yelich and a relatively healthy Tyrone Taylor means you don't have to rush him right? if you choose not to. Yep. 
Now, if he's MLB ready, then he's going to be MLB ready, and you're going to make room. Um, and it kind of gives you an expendability with a Joey Weimer as we head to, to the trade deadline. And I'm not saying that they should do this or that they will do this. But it makes them a little bit – you have options to go now. Yep. So I do want to ask, Sean, as, you know, as we kind of approach, we're about a week out from the MLB trade deadline. Is there anything that you're kind of thinking, any positions of need or even uh, looking at any particular players that you think the Brewers should be definitely targeting? I don't know if I would say – I don't think they they absolutely have to go out and get a guy like we were kind of talking maybe a month ago. Well, even two weeks ago. Or, yeah, even two weeks ago when we had this conversation. But I think a, a decent first baseman would be good. Sure. Because Rowdy – didn't Rowdy break, it, break a finger? He did. Shake and fly balls. Mm-hmm. And he's out for so he's at out least for, three, four more weeks. Uh, Owen Miller has been good, not great. Right. Um, or you just go get Shohei. Yeah, that was something that was kicked around. That I don't want to be a spoiler, but probably won't happen. No, um, uh, nor very, should it not. I mean, I could never, only imagine, we'd never be able to afford it. I could only imagine that few months rental though would be almost immediately like CC Sabathia. Right, exactly. Which I think would put the Brewers as the odds-on betting favorite in the National League. Yep. Which would be fun. Don't get me wrong. It would, it would be. It would be. It'd be a but. blast. But to mortgage your future where you're probably going to have to trade Freilich, Weimer, and so at least those two for sure. You got to figure Mizorowski would be in Mizorowski, there. Um, and then probably somebody else yet too. Yeah. That's three of your top five prospects, all guys who have spent time in the top 100 prospect list. Mm-hmm. Um, all for a two-month two two rental. rental, which... I guess if anything has been proven to us as sports fans, the all-in one single season, it can work. We saw the Rams do it. We saw the Buccaneers do it in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is not the most sustainable either. Right. Which we've seen now with the Rams and the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I guess you, if it gets you your ring, by all means. I'm not saying I'm against it, but I definitely am not saying that they should do it either. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'd, I just looked up Bleacher Report here and then. They have maybe, or what is it, say, perfect move for each team in first place, and they got them going to get Logan Thomas from the Nationals, actually. That'd be interesting. Um, I'm curious on what you think if the Brewers need another bullpen arm. I don't think it would hurt. I want to be... No, uh, I don't think it would hurt. If you don't have to give up a lot for it, I would be fine with it. But if you got to give up one of your bigger prospects, not so much. You know, and, and kind of going with that, too, I really can't think of, there's not like a, a true bullpen need either that I can think of that, aside from a possible reunion with Josh Hader. Right, that's the only other one. Or maybe and, maybe the dude from Pittsburgh. What's his, the quote? Bednar? Bednar? David Bednar? I believe that, that, is, that is correct. Is that what his name is? Um, yep. I would be intrigued by that, by getting another bullpen arm. Can you imagine? So let's just have this conversation for conversation's sake. If you're the Milwaukee Brewers and Josh Hader would be available because the Padres have been nothing short of disappointing this season. If you bring Josh Hader back into the fold, 
do you put him back in the ninth and move Devin into the eighth? I don't. Or do think you leave do. Devin Williams in the ninth? You got to leave Devin Williams in the ninth. He's he's proved everything you've wanted him to prove. I agree. I I do think that is the move. I I would love to. S- in that capacity, I would love to see this happen. I'm I'm not. I am convinced it's not going to happen. Right. Just because it would almost make too much sense, <laughs> and I can't really think of. First of all, I I would find it really funny just that it would kind of exercise last year's demons. Yeah. Of that falling apart down the stretch. Right. Um, but at the same time, like I I just cannot foresee it happening. It's just like I said, it's one of those things that would be great for the fans. It'd be great for the locker room or the clubhouse. I can't foresee it happening because I'm sure there's going to be another team that comes in and actually has a better offer. Right. But there's like that small sliver of possibility where it's like, this does make a lot of sense. And it's at least, if you're Brewers GM Matt Arnold, I think at the very least you have to give San Diego a call. Yes, I totally agree with that. Because when you look at, I mean, yes, um, the game did get blown up by Elvis Pagaro in the eighth inning, uh, giving up the three-run homer to Ozzy Albies. That Braves team is a damn good lineup, mm-hmm. top to bottom. Um, and that's going to happen occasionally. Because yes. for every game that you have like that, you also have a game Saturday night, like Saturday night, where the Brewers are down 2 nothing or 3 nothing right away and came back, took the lead, and won. Um, Saturday night was probably one of the most fun Brewer games I've gotten to watch on TV in this season. Even Friday night, where it was a back-and-forth contest as well. This, this has been fun Brewers baseball. Um, but yeah, I, I would be really intrigued by that possibility. Again, I don't foresee it happening. But I would also love to see it happen. But I'm going to tell Milwaukee Brewers fans we are a little over a week away from the trade deadline. Don't get your hopes up. Right. So that is our Milwaukee Brewers talk. Um, not quite sure. Uh, the Milwaukee Milkmen still in action. Um, I don't really have a whole lot about them. I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I do. Uh Real quick, we can go through our typical fly through the Northwoods League. A um, little bit of hard times here in Green Bay, at least for our Green Bay Rockers, who were the first half champions of the division here in the Northwoods League. <coughs> and that being the Great Lakes West. Uh, overall, on the second half of the season, or in the season, the Green Bay Rockers are still on top of their division in the Great Lakes West. At 21 and 15, the Wausau Woodchucks in second, Wisconsin Rapids Rafters in third, Madison Mallards at 15 and 18, Lake Shore Chinooks at 14 and 20, Fun Lack Docks are still kind of in the basement at 13 and 22. Um, that is the overall standings in the second half. Uh, Green Bay, 10 and 10, not ideal, but only in second place in that division. Madison Mallards are 13 and 8. Uh, the Wisconsin Rapids Rafters are 10 and 10 in the second half. The Fun Lack Docks are 10 and 11. And the Wausau Woodchucks 9 and 11, Lake Shore Chinooks at 8 and 13. So that is your second half overall. Uh, Green Bay does still lead that division at a total of actually 31 and 25. Um, looking at the second half, Kalamazoo continues to dominate the Great Lakes East. Uh, Rockford Rivets at 13 and 9, Traverse City Pit Spitters at 11 and 10, Back at Battle Creek Battle Jacks at 11 and 11, Kenosha Kingfish 8 and 14. And the Kokomo Jackrabbits, 8-14 and 14 as well in the second half. One more division, lacrosse, loggers, 15-3 15 15 in the second half, Sean. 
That's crazy. Uh, Waterloo Bucks, 13-5. The Duluth Huskies, 13-7. The Rochester Honkers, 9-9. The Eau Claire Express, the 7-13. And the Thunder Bay Border Cats, 5-15. Uh, so plenty of time. Still about a month in, or so left of the Northwoods League season uh, for your Green Bay Rockers and the various teams throughout the state um, and really the Midwest as a whole. So plenty of time to still view, go see them. Uh, but time is also running out at the same time, too. Uh, get ready for playoffs in the Northwoods League as the Green Bay Rockers are a first-half champion, and I believe that puts them in the playoffs for sure. Nice. So time to go see them yet as well. Get outside, get to a game, uh, which brings us to our Milwaukee Brewers farm team. In the high A, Wisconsin Timberwolves, we already mentioned that Brandon Woodruff will be making a rehab appearance here over the weekend. Uh, Jake, the Jacob Mizorowski poster giveaway is the 27th, but, uh, Jacob Mizorowski no longer with the Timber Rattlers as he has been called up to double A. Uh, so congrats to him on the call up only a brief stint with the high affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. So he is making his way towards a big league appearance. Think he'll, think I don't he'll think he'll be called be up season. by the end of the year, even for September call-ups. I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to depend on what the Brewers would do. Um, in terms of trade deadline acquisitions and how the bullpen and you very well could get traded for somebody too. That could I, be the I feel case like too. You could. It it would really, it would really depend on what the Brewers are planning to do at this point of the, the season and what their trade deadline plans are. I think as a whole, if they're going out and getting guys, at the very least, there'll be guys who kind of what the Josh Hayer situation was last year, where they got a guy with a year and a half as to opposed to a two-month rental. Right. Um, or even more like the William Contreras deal that they did in the offseason, where it's going to be a couple years yep. of control. Um, obviously, as a contending team, they do they are expected to make at least one or two moves. I mean, that's the reality of where they are. Um, and that's kind of the fortunate thing of being a division leader and being in first place for the majority of the season is they are in position to go out and make a move. And even, you know, we talk about the lackluster uh, regular season thus far with only 10 games above 500, but kind of starting to blend in records-wise with some of those other first-place teams really across, across all of baseball. It is kind of exciting to look at some of those options where, you know, if you can get to the playoffs and you look at that NLDS as a five-game series. You probably have Corbin Burns twice, and you might have Brandon Woodruff twice. Assuming, you know, depending on how his ramp yep, up goes. Yep, yep. That is a hard pill to swallow for an opponent. I mean, you might get them once and maybe beat them, but I don't foresee them both losing two back to back starts. Yeah. It's and just... especially with Woodruff being injured, so he doesn't have as many, just say, miles on his body or innings on his body for the year. Right. Which, which would be nice going into that. He'll still be fresh going into the playoffs. Same with Corbin Birds being kind of banged up at times here this year too. Yeah, absolutely. And same, I mean, really, he has been the the steady point of this roster all season. But the same, you can like I said, you can look at the same time, and you look at okay, Woodruff is coming back. Hauser came up, you know, late in the season. We don't know what Ethan Small's track is. Wade Miley has been hurt, but you kind of have that flexibility now with Woodruff coming back soon. With the emergence of Colin Ray and 
uh, Julio Tehran, who have been both, aside from a couple starts here and there, have been very solid. You have a little bit of flexibility where if, if Wade Miley's got something bugging him, you don't have to rush him through the 10 days. You can kind of give him 15, 20, right. give him a couple extra starts off, and then get back to it. Um, so, yeah, by, by no means is it, I think, any sort of rush with him either. And he's been a very solid pitcher this season too. Yep. Um, so, yeah, all, all in all, I, I think it's very interesting as to where they are and very exciting as to the potential future here. Uh, talking about the Timber Rattlers, uh, really, you know, Mizorowski did kind of have a cup of coffee with the team. Plenty of top prospects here in Wisconsin. And even looking at the overall record, the overall record at 38-50, and 50, which is not great, but the second-half stats and where you kind of look towards a potential playoff appearance is kind of what you kind of point to at this point. And that is where this team gets interesting. Um, strictly from the North or the Midwest League standings in the high A, in their division for the second half, they're 12 and 12. Cedar Rapids is already the first place champion, so they're at 16 and 8. They're not going anywhere. But then you get to Beloit at 13 and 11, Peoria at 13 and 11, and Timber Rivers at 12 and 12. There is a path. For them to kind of, and they're playing very good ball. Um, I when I did the Tim Rattler game as a producer last week, I believe the Tim Rattlers have had a good number of seventh or eighth inning comebacks, and that's kind of a trademark of a Joe Aralt team. You know, we talked about we talk about that. You know, I remember when he had first gotten hired to be the Tim Rattlers manager after Matt Erickson went up to the big league club to be one of the hitting coaches. Joe Aralt had been the manager at the Carolina Mudcats level in the, when they were the high A affiliate. And you talk about with a game with him in control, you're never truly out of it. He structures the lineup to have a good balance of power contact throughout the whole lineup that even like your eight, nine hitters have double ability and can shoot gaps and get you back in the game pretty quick. Um, even the game that I had produced last week for them the game, it went from a 3-0 deficit to a 5-3 game, then in 6-5, or, yeah, 6-5, then 6-6, 8-6, and then in the final inning, the top of the ninth, Tim Rattlers came back against the Dayton Dragons, ended up winning that game 9-8. So, lots of runs being scored, and the Timber Rattlers for the Midwest League do have 137 runs. They are second in their division, and actually second of all the high A Midwest League at 137 runs. Only the Cedar Rapids Colonels have more, and they're at 142. Which So runs are going to be scored with this organization and this team. Um, the, and to their credit, you know, oddly enough, at a team that is only 500 in this part of the season and 12, ga- or 12 games under 500 for the whole season, they have a run differential of plus 11 which you don't see a lot from a team that's under 500. No. But it really points to, again, how kind of plagued they were at the beginning of the season, but also how they can come back and really kind of show their power at the middle point of the season as well. Because don't the Brewers have a negative point differential? I I believe so, uh, or they have for a while. I, I'm going to look here pretty quick just to kind of confirm that. 
At least I thought they did. They did for a long time this season. I don't know if they still do. I'm I'm pretty sure they do. It really reminds me of the 2019 season where that was also the case where they didn't have a positive run differential until damn near the end of the season. Right. Um, when they went on that 19 straight terror without Yelich when he had first gotten hurt. Yep. Um, let me take a look here. They're only minus six. Which, when you consider just how many games and the ones that they have lost were just getting creamed in those games, that is nothing short of impressive. But when you also compare that to the Atlanta Braves, who are the best team in baseball right now, that the Brewers took one of the three uh, over the weekend, and we'll have another set with them coming up later this week. The Atlanta Braves, I believe, they do lead all of the, ma- of the National League. I'm assuming that's going to be the case for all of baseball. Only one team has scored has a better run differential than the Braves, and that is the Texas Rangers. The Atlanta Braves at the trade deadline have a plus one hundred forty eight run differential. Only team better than them is going to be Texas Rangers. They're at plus one fifty one. Uh, Tampa Bay is not too far behind there at plus one forty four. And only one team in the NL Central has a plus run differential, and that's the Cubs. They're at plus forty one. Which makes no sense. <laughs> no, uh, the Dodgers no are plus. The Dodgers are plus one hundred six. Um, actually, a very good National League West in terms of against everybody else except each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Diamondbacks in second. The Giants at plus seventeen. The Padres, even though they're four games under five hundred, are plus fifty two. And then the worst run differential in all of baseball is going to be the o- Oakland Athletics, minus two fifty eight. Wow. At 28 and 74 in the season. So, not great for them, but good for everybody else. So, but yeah, just kind of going back to Tim Rattlers. Um, home game stand this weekend. A couple of promo night giveaways over the week. Tonight, uh, or actually tomorrow night, excuse me, the 25th, as you're listening to this tonight, it is Girls Night Out with a wine cup ticket package available. Uh, box seat tickets, sampling wine cup, and two drink vouchers, and a vendor goodie bag for the girls going through um, for girls' night. Uh, those ticket packages are available through the Tim Rattlers. Actually, the they are not available as the ticket package for that is sold out. <laughs> uh, later this week, on Friday night, it will be the Defenders of the Diamond Night, which has the Marvel-themed jersey and hat, as well as um, character appearances from the different... Uh, Marvel characters as well. The game that Sean, Shauna, Carolyn, and I are going to will be Shanty Men Night, the long-awaited Lake Winnebago Shanty Men with uh, Fisherman Fang or Shanty Men Fang bobblehead giveaway. Tickets are still available for that. Very limited tickets at this point. Uh, the Lake Winnebago Shanty Men debut at Neuroscience Group Field on this, this summer uh, for the one game that Honors the 90-year-old tradition of Sturgeon Spearing and Lake Winnebago. Come watch the players don these one-of-a-kind uniforms. Enjoy a night of beers and spears. Just remember what happens in the shanty stays in the shanty. Uh, really cool bobbleheads as well as just the jerseys, I think, are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, jerseys are pretty cool. Which, if you're in the market for a shantyman jersey, you can get a replica or a player-owned jersey, player-worn jersey, through Tim Rowler's auctions as well. Just be warned, I am bidding on some of them. So you may have to outbid me. Good luck. 
Um, and then Sunday, wrapping up the homestand for the weekend, uh, you, we do have Brewer Sunday with a Brewer Sunday hat giveaway for the first thousand, as well as an appearance by former Milwaukee Brewer great Bill Hall. Right. I thought um, this was pretty cool. I am. I'm bummed that we're not going to Sunday. I am going to try to finagle my way to go on that. Are I you? don't know how well it's going to go. I don't know if Sean is going to listen to this and, and how far that plan is going to go. <laughs> but that is my, my tentative. I would love to go to meet Bill Hall. Uh, Bill Hall, one of my favorite brewers who just... He was a club guy. Like He's like right. one of those guys that was good for the brewers. He had some great moments. Mother's Day every Mother's year. Mother's Day every year with the pink bat. Really the debut of the pink bat. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple others here and there. Was on MVP Baseball 2005 for the team, but it it just I mean by no means was he like an all time great, right? But he was an all time great brewer, right? You know what I mean? Uh, so Bill Hall, special place in Brewers fandom, um, and I love that for him. So I I do hope to go. I I'm hoping to go back to back days. I'm going to do what I can to make that happen. I think it'd be really cool, right? Um, so that is our. More or less our trip around the state of Wisconsin, just kind of bring things back to Green Bay. Uh, the Green Bay Blizzard season did come to an unfortunate end at the end of the regular season. Uh, nothing to hang their hats on, or, or hang their heads about is what I mean. But also, not, you know, it was a a good, not great season. I, I'm sure Ryan, I ran into Ryan the other night, uh, Ryan Hobson, who has been on this program. I uh, had a good chat with him. Uh, team was 7-8 on the year. Uh, did lose the last two to knock them out of playoff contention. Very close games, though, um, out in Tucson and out in Quad City. Coming off a thriller of must-win football against the Tulsa Oilers on the 1st of July. Did lose the 47-39 game against Quad City and then 48-39 against Tucson. Um, and the season comes to an end at that point. But it was a great season of Blizzard football. And by all means, I am bummed that we didn't get to go to a game this year. It is a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, tickets are always reasonably priced. It's fun football. It's nothing like what you see on in the NFL. No, nothing even close. And you you just it is the fifty yard field. It's fast. It's fun. Um, you're a lot closer. To the action because it's in an, our fifty-yard arena. Right. But all in all, like I said, I just I cannot speak highly enough. And and I you know I talked to guys like Ryan. Like, you know, ran, ran into him after um, we went to see Oppenheimer the other night. And yeah, no one's happy about not making the playoffs. But you still look at the season as a whole, and you can. There's so many different happy moments in there too. And it's always fun to be fighting for a playoff spot, even if you do come up a little bit short. Right. Um, so, shout out to the Green Bay Blizzard. Hats off to another great season. 15 years in the IFL. Um, I know when we were growing up, they were in the AF2. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the mm-hmm. minor leagues of arena football and now the IFL. So, 15 years of IFL football. Uh, hats off to the Blizzard and now the IFL playoffs. Um, with that, Sean, as mentioned, we talked about it earlier in the show. Going to be a heavy Packer episode. Um, today, the unofficial start of... Packer 2023 season with being the shareholders meeting, which is why we're recording on a Monday afternoon as opposed to a Monday evening or Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening, Thursday evening. 
Sean and I took the day off. I'd say played hooky, but we both no, uh, went through yeah, the proper we, channels. We, yeah, we went through proper channels. So, uh, Went to the Packer shareholder meeting, so shout out to your mom, Kathy, uh, being a Packer shareholder, yep. allowing us the opportunity to go. Giving us the idea to go. Right. So I'm going to ask you first and foremost, Sean. Uh, I have never, I, neither one of us has done this part. Uh, big takeaways from you in the shareholder meeting uh, today and then the whole experience as a whole. It was, it was just kind of interesting just listening to the business side of everything compared to, you know, just the sports side of everything. And just listening to all the people that are having all the people get credit for stuff that you would never even hear about. Sure, if like it was the bottom line, the... Yes. The profit, the different community or, or efforts and well, all that. E- even, the, even the trainer that got the specific award for... The best of, trainer yeah, in the NFC. Yeah, for the best best trainer in the NFC. And just kind of stuff like that was kind of cool to to just hear about that you never hear about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for what it's worth, um, so Mark Murphy, he opens the, the, the meeting. We'll call it a meeting. It's, it's a business meeting. It's a presentation. It's <laughs> what it is, but um, I, somewhere between nine and twelve thousand Packer fans were expected to be there. Looked probably pretty close to that number. I would say all on that a, on a just rough count. Um, filled filled up the whole sideline. So yeah, for the most part. So just kind of talking about he he says he makes a joke, and I'm assuming he makes this joke every year. The most unusual business meeting. Yep. Um, which is, it's spot on true. I mean, that's 100% what it is. Uh, one of the most interesting traditions in all the sports is the Green Bay Packers being owned by the community, by the city, by the fans. Um, obviously, the big heavy hitters are going to be Mark Murphy's overall remarks as well as Brian Gutekunst, uh just talking about the team and, and all that too. Yep, the draft and everything that way. So first and foremost, I, I do want to say, uh, the fact that 10,000 people show up to this thing is, <laughs> it's awesome. Right. I mean, it's, it's really cool. And I'm glad that I finally, you know, I got to go to one of these. Right. It was, a, it was an awesome experience. You know, we will have some pictures um, and possibly a video from the, the kind of wrapping up our, our day. Uh, Sean and I made a whole day at Packer stuff. Yep. And it, it was awesome. Um, but starting with the meeting itself, I mean, you show up and, we headed down to the pro shop. They have owner exclusive stuff, which you actually have to go through and confirm that you're an owner. Yep, you gotta have your your certificate number or your name and everything that way. So I wasn't able to. Buy, I, didn't, I didn't buy anything, but if I would have wanted to, Sean would have had to been my guy for the right. owner exclusive stuff. Um. So they have different things like different hats, different whatever, different shirts, mode. shirts, the new cheese heads, which are. By the way, now yep. owned by the Packers. Yep. Uh, the Packers did buy out the company that started making the cheese heads. Uh, so they are now the official provider of cheese, of cheese heading. So really kind of a cool tidbit from today's mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so like I said, just the fact that 10,000 people come to this. They have the concession stands going. It's, it's for all intents, I mean, it's basically treated as a game. Yep. Uh, they have the event staff there in droves. Uh, from the whole morning until about 2 o'clock, the building is closed to the public, so you need a ticket to even get into the atrium, uh, which is a game day thing as well. 
which which was a pretty cool thing that they shut down the whole everything for the just for the meeting. You had to have a ticket for it, everything that way. Absolutely, it, it was pretty cool that way. So that was the start of our our morning. We, the doors open at nine. I think we got there probably about ten. Yeah, nine thirty, ten o'clock. Um, like so that that in and of itself was just again very unique. Mark Murphy opens the meeting up again with his joke about um, the unusualness of the meeting, if you can call it that, and then starts off to do the national anthem. Um, I was a little bit bummed that the typical Green Bay Packers game day fireworks during like rockets, red glare, bombs bursting in well, air. I thought there was going to be a flyover too. I was waiting for one. It's EAA week, <laughs> right? I, was I mean, you can't thing. have somebody just you know. Go a little bit out of their way on their way to Oshkosh. Right. Help us out. Uh, neither here nor there, I guess, at the end of the day. But um, So anyway, so we start off with that. And then Mark does a quick kind of general agenda setting yep. uh, opening remarks. And I found it very interesting because I think I, I sent a tweet out this morning, Sean, talking about the vibe around Green Bay Packers football this season, and I think the only way I can describe it is intense curiosity. Yep. Because the last, what, five, six years has been Super Bowl or bust, playoffs or bust, high expectations generally being met in some capacity. Now, obviously not a Super Bowl ring, but you look at three stra- or two straight NFC appear- or title game appearances, three straight years of 13-4, and four, or 13-3 and three for that matter, um, by all means, very successful and being one of the final four teams. Uh, then you go to another year of winning the NFC North and then ultimately being bounced in the divisional round by San Fran that year. And then you go to a fourth year of not making the playoffs. Yep. Um, and that did lead to a lot of things changing in and of around the season. Most notably, Aaron Rodgers being sent to New York, um, as well as a number of other Packer players, coaches, etc. So, I do want to give a lot of credit to both Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst. I think they handled that whole situation very well. I think they did. Today. Too. Yep. 100% um, they I did. don't agree with everything that's happened to this point, as we know I'm very vocal on. Yep. But how they handled it today with the fans, I think they, I don't want to say they pussyfooted around it, but they because they definitely addressed it head on. They did. But at the same time, they definitely played the politic game of it, too. Yep. Which they have to. I think they have to. Right. Because I think, you know, when anytime, and I can only imagine what that, like, that 08 meeting was like mm-hmm. going into the 08, 09 season, the first year of Roger yep. after Farm. I can only imagine what that one was like. But regardless, I mean, it's the same type of situation where you have an all time franchise great and you also have your guy in the wings that you believe in. Yep. Uh, so Mark Murphy ends his comments with giving Brian Gudikins a quick shout out for. Doing an unpopular move in drafting Jordan Love in 2020 doubles it down by the old phrase of the best time to draft a quarterback is when you don't need a quarterback. Yep. Um, then Brian Gutekunst took the stage, did the football operations talk, um, talked about the hard decision to move on and that it was just seemed time. Seemed like it would be best for Aaron to go somewhere else. Seemed like it was best for Jordan because he was, he by all accounts, is ready. Um, obviously, we have yet to see starting quarterback Jordan Love in practice or in games yet. 
Um, that will happen in the upcoming weeks. And I'm very excited about that as a possibility too. And that's where the intense curiosity thing comes mm-hmm, from. Mm-hmm. Because you look at, for the first time in the 15 years that we had Aaron Rodgers, and I think even more than when Rodgers took the, way, the, the boat from Favre, you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Because you've had four years of Matt LaFleur working with Aaron Rodgers, three years of 13-3 and slash 13-4 football, but it's kind of the, old, the, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Who benefited who the most? Yep. So from that standpoint, I'm, like again, just curious as to, I feel like Matt LaFleur is going to feel like he almost has something to prove this season. And I think for the first time in that previous four years, you can actually kind of look at the foundation of the Matt LaFleur offense and kind of that extension of the Kyle Shanahan and um, Sean McVay tree is going to finally come to fruition in Green Bay. Because you look at, there's a few different things I have seen and kind of thought about over the last couple of days. You look at Jordan Love, who they drafted 2020. You look at Sean Clifford, who they drafted this year. And now um, Alex, I want to say McDonough, the guy that we saw walking out of the facility this morning, um, who they had signed over the weekend from the USFL. Sure, whatever his name is. I know it was M-C-G-O-U-G-H or something like that. McGough, maybe. McGough, I don't know. Regardless, you look at all the, the three builds of these guys, it's very play action based. It's very mobile, but not running quarterback. It's very guys who can throw on the run with accuracy. Yep. Who can throw the ball downfield, find the play downfield as they're scrambling out of the pocket. Um, so you look at that. You look at the fact that they did decide to keep Aaron Jones another year. And the fact that they do have an A.J. Dillon, that workhorse power back. You look at. You know, drafting the two different tight ends. I mean, you have Josiah DeGuara already in the fold um, as your H-back, fullback. Don't forget about Tyler Davis. Shut the fuck. <laughs> not going, I'm staying very positive today. They did mention, they did actually, I want to talk about that real quick. Um, they didn't even mention They did him not him. say him by name. <laughs> so they talk, they do a big slide, and I, I, maybe this will make our video, maybe it won't. Um, but they did do a giant slide of all the players who have been acquired, re-signed, etc. Um, in the offseason. He did get his name on the board. I will give him that. He made his name on the big board for the slide of, of player acquisition, player retaining. He did not make Brian Gutekind's, uh speech. Yep. It was which, funny. We kind of chuckled to ourselves. Made me laugh inside a lot <laughs> harder because I was trying to take the video and be, be as quiet as possible. Yep. But it made me laugh a lot harder inside than it probably should have. But when you look at the contrasting styles of, you look at like Luke Musgrave, who is a lot more like that big Bob Tunyon, more of a receiving tight end, but can block. Yep. And then you look at Tucker Craft, who he can catch the ball. He's probably like more like Mercedes Lewis in his early days, but he's a Big dude yep. who is and will block. Yep. Um, so you look at that all compared in the offense. You look at the different receiving. You look at a Christian Watson, blazing speed. You look at Jaden Reed, slot guy who, not fast, but he's quick. You look at Romeo Dobbs, 
kind of that same long leg receiver on the outside. You look at, you know, some of the different guys, Dontavian Wicks, uh, Grant DeBose, these different guys that they've drafted, and you can kind of point to that speed and tempo are going to be a big part of Green Bay Packers football this year. And it's going to be a lot different look than we have seen. But I, and I think part of that is that Matt LaFleur feels like he's going to have to perform without the all-pro quarterback, without the Hall of Famer. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, that's a very good thing in that capacity. So very curious on what that's going to look like in the upcoming months, and, and for that matter, in training camp when that gets underway later this week. So that was, I mean, Gutekunst did his thing. He talked about, um, again, the decision to move on, what they feel about Jordan Love. Um, I thought all the fans were very supportive when they talked about moving on. and They were, and that was another thing, too. I, I, mean, was, I was very surprised by that. They gave Rodgers his due. The fans gave Rodgers his due. With the class, I mean, he wasn't in the building, right? But um, obviously, because he's practicing for the Jets today. Yep. But he wasn't in the building. You know, it would have been very easy for Packer fans to boo him like crazy. But they didn't. Yep. And I think, I think we're far enough, and I think we know enough at this time in this world that we live in, where there probably was truth from the matter on both sides, and it was just different versions of the same story. Yep. Um. So both, I mean, I think, you know, we got the cheers. We got the, you know, the official Mark Murphy doubled down that when Rodgers is a pro football Hall of Famer, first ballot guy, which he's going to be, um, they're going to retire his number, which we knew. But it, it's just kind of one of those things where you, I think you have to address it. Yep. And I think you have to acknowledge the greatness that was Aaron Rodgers representing your team, your city, for the last 18 years. Yes. So... I want to give a hats off to the Packers front office, especially Mark Murphy and, and Brian Gutekunst for handling that while also giving all the accolades and all the praise to Jordan Love, not making it that Favre versus Rodgers comparison where really it's right now it's an Aaron Rodgers and now it's Jordan Love. Yep. Um, so that I think that was very well done um, in and of itself. Uh, then, as Sean and I mentioned, they went through all the guys that they've signed. They kind of talked about, you know, last season not making the playoffs, but the different glimpses of the future that were there. Yep. And then kind of wrapped it up with talking about the free agents and then the draft class and, and all that for the football operations side. Um, which, again, it, it only made me more excited for training camp this week and the upcoming weeks, as well as that first pre couple preseason games and then when we finally kick things off. September 10th, in September 9th, September 10th in Chicago. I think the 10th. Um, yes, it is the 10th because they'll the following game 17th and 24th. Yep, we're good. Um, I think it was it was pretty cool when we when we parked there to when we just parked and some of the rookies were already going out to the to walk across the what is it to the Don Hudson to the Don Hudson and mm -hmm. had to see some of them. It was I couldn't tell you any of their names. No, other than Alex Mc, McDougie or whatever. <laughs> I feel bad because I, I wish I knew his name. Cause right. For all, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he is a very accomplished USFL quarterback. Yep. Uh, two straight championships in that league. Talented guy. Just, I don't remember his name. And it's one of those names that, unless I read it and get a pronunciation, it's probably going to be hard to pronounce. 
so yeah, but yeah, it was awesome. It was just kind of one of those things again that you probably don't see anywhere else, other than Green Bay. Um, they did have Mark Murphy. He kind of went, you know, he, then he did his president's remarks, which were about forty-five minutes, just kind of going through the whole what everything in the organization, talking about the community efforts, the um, the Titletown district, the NFL draft coming up, even kind of talking about how the Packers are partnering with like the Bucks and the Brewers and just kind of trying to finagle this new world of sports gambling, uh, which in Wisconsin he did make mention, and I've been a very vocal opponent of this, um, right now is con only conducted by uh, the tribes of the Native Americans of Wisconsin, um, which I'm going to kind of leave it at that. I wish it was more open and it wasn't only on the casinos, personally speaking, but I know I kind of get the gist of why. And I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm not gonna we're not gonna have that debate. That's no way different from um, what we're talking about right now, and could probably get kind of ugly. So uh, gonna leave it at that. But you know, even I mean, you think about probably Sean five years ago, that wouldn't even been a talking point. Right. I mean, I remember when I when I worked for the Packers in the Hall of Fame. Uh, now it's seven years ago. And you had to sign an agreement for all NFL employees that you could only play fantasy football up to $200. Yep. Like total. Or maybe 500 or some, some yeah. low number. And now we are in a world seven years later where 36 of the 50 states have some form of legalized sports gambling. Which I personally, again, personally I think is awesome. As yep. long as you're doing it responsibly, blah, blah, right. blah. But at the same time, I'm sure it's, I mean, we've seen a number of suspensions the last two years for players gambling and for, um, you know, feeding information and, and just trying to keep the integrity of the game, which, technically speaking, I mean, the NFL, for what it's worth, and I know this was a whole thing in the playoffs, it could be scripted, technically. For yep. It's a private business. There's nothing saying that they have to have a pure game. But to just for the integrity of... For the betting purposes, not feeding insider information, not having inside information uh, for these different sports books, et cetera. So very, I'm, I'm sure is only tricky waters for these you know, presidents and owners and GMs and even the coaching staff to have to kind of wrangle these adults. I mean, that's, these are grown men who are yeah. going to make grown men decisions and stuff that is technically legal in the majority of the country. And kind of enforcing the rules of what the NFL has in place. So, no, like, say you're the Packers, or you play for the Packers, and you go to tech, you go to where wherever it's legal, you can still do it. You don't have any issues. I don't think you can bet on. I think it's. I don't know because I I know you can't bet on your team. Right. Of course not. I believe that you. I believe that you can bet on the NFL, but it cannot be from the team facility or an NFL facility. Okay. Um, I'd have to look into more specifics on that because I think it gets, it gets a little tricky with you can't do it for, like the guys from Detroit who just got suspended. Some of them weren't even betting on the NFL, but they were doing it from the team facility on their phones. Yep. And you can't do that. Yep. Um, which again, for integrity's sake, I get. I think it's a little nicky, you know, ticky tacky. But again, rules are rules are rules again. Right. And so until it's illegal. Or until it's legal for the NFL rules, you can't do it. Um, 
But yeah, so yeah, I mean, he had those remarks. He talked about the tailgate tour. He talked about the Titletown district, um, and everything that's gone in that five years. The Titletown district's been open. Yeah. You know, you look at like the sledding hill, the ice uh, skating, the um, the concerts now that they've been doing the last couple mm -hmm. of years, mm -hmm. all just leading up to the NFL draft next season, which I think is really cool. Um, just to have lived in this area and watched us build up from nothing. And now is kind of a couple months away from being that goal of what it was in mind. Um, and really has made, I you know, we, I, I can't remember who the gentleman who spoke at the end of the day, but the Packers are like top, or I think fifth in all of NFL experience and talk about security and game day, people being in the seats at kickoff. Um, stuff to do around the stadium, et cetera. Okay. Mm -hmm. All these fan experiences, which, I mean, Green Bay Packer fans, not even biased. I mean, unbiasedly have some of the best fans, one of the best environments in the history, yep. all that um, in the NFL. Like, I mean, you can, you, can, you can see it. And it's days like today and like family night in two weeks. And on a random Tuesday, the people who come to this country for the first time on you know, their vacation – and they go out of their way to go to little Green Bay, Wisconsin to go see Lambeau Field, even if they're not football fans, because it's such an important part of this sporting world. Um, they said today that of the top 100 programs, like ratings-wise, 88 of them were NFL games in the year 2022. What was, what was the other thing Murphy said about the London? The Packers-London London game was the highest... Highest-rated London game ever, right? international game. Or international game ever. Ever. And that's been eight years of yep. international regular season games. So what, what was it they said that they the, they lost $60 million for – no, was it 60 or was it – I think it might have been six. Was it six? Because when he talked later about the draft, the estimate right now is $94 million for that weekend. Oh, that's – Which yep. is the equivalent of seven Packer home games. So you kind of got to take yep. that, divide it. Probably closer to maybe 16 or, you know, six to 16 – but Someone just, there. Just how much they lost from from having, one having game, that one game. Which I don't. I'm gonna go on record saying I kind of think that's a crock of shit. Right. Just in the sense of it would have been nice to have that extra six to ten million dollars in the state of Wisconsin. Right. But, but you, it was you can't you still tell had me. you still had eight regular season home games. Right. So I mean that would have been the ninth one with the 17 game schedule. You you can't tell me they didn't make it up in other spots, but right. I I don't. By that first second, even though we saw the numbers today, right, still turned a profit, not as high as usual. Oh, yeah, not, not nearly as high as only usual. thirty-five million profit as opposed to sixty-one million or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, and then so like I said, you kind of go through those different financial stuff, which is way over my head. But that yep. just got, like you said, Sean, kind of hearing about the different side, it, it is interesting. And then like the one guy who was closer to the end, who kind of went through the. The ratings and the numbers and the yep. fan experiences. It's just the that, NFL. That guy loved his job. Oh, 100%. Not saying the other guys didn't. But you can tell that guy. That, that guy, guy really loved really his loved job. Really loved his job. Uh, but yeah, I, just all in all, uh, a great way to spend, what, an hour and a half? Yeah, we were there. In the sun. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of. Uh, Shauna had pointed out, um, due to one of her coworkers' fathers who used to be one of the treasurers and the board of directors uh, who had passed away, may he rest in peace, um, talking about how when he would do his spiel 
because it was always following the football operations. The mass exodus after that, we kind of saw that happen mm-hmm. today too. Yeah. Um, that mass exodus after the president's remarks and after Gutekunst went, you see that mass exodus as all the number of guys get to, you know, yeah, we had this amount of profit and this, you know, whatever. Uh, it went pretty quick, though. It did. It really did. And I was ex- I was expecting those guys to linger on a little bit more than than they did, but well, I, I think part of it too is that they just they know the drill, right? They know that people are there for Murphy and Goody, and yep. they're kind of bonus, um, taking not taking their jobs too serious because that is right. their job, exactly. But at the same time, the Packers have what they say like a couple hundred, I think like five hundred thousand people who have shares. Yeah, something like so that. So. I, I think they're doing fine. I don't think it's like a true board of directors. Which it's kind of crazy that the first shares were five dollars. Yeah, back in what nineteen twenty three. Yeah, twenty yeah, three. The first shares were five dollars, and it was four or five thousand people who showed up to what now I believe was the Green Bay Press Gazette office. I mm-hmm. think it was a newspaper. I think so. I'm not sure if it was the press. No, it was Elks Lodge, wasn't it? Yes, the Elks Lodge. Thank you. That's what it was. Um, Sean and I had spent also spent some time in Packer Hall yep. today. It was it, yeah. That's the first time I've been in there in oh, I would say 10, 15 years. Was that the first time you've been there since it's been in Lambo? Yes, 100%. Um unless it was maybe one of the first years it was in Lambo. Sure. So but yeah, so the presentations were great. Um, just again, I mean, I, I, I do think we're going to have some content from it. I don't know what's going to entail yet. I have not sat went through the clips, and I'm going to be honest, I don't do that in on that <laughs> anyway. Um, Secretary Shauna will be doing that after she's done babysitting tonight. Uh, but really just, I am so intensely curious on this season. I'm ready for the season I'm ready. to start now. I'm a huge baseball guy. I'm still ride or die with my brewers. But I am ready for the start of training camp. It's that time of year. The leaves are changing a little bit in spots. It's almost time for football. Yep. Um, and training camp, I, I believe the first public practice, I want to say it's going to be Wednesday. I have to double check on that. But it's that time of year where you start kind of looking at, you know, getting to training camp or going to family night or preseason games. Um and again, it's just Green Bay is a, such a better city when the Packers are both doing well, but also when they're just going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, training camp does get underway at the 26th, which will be Wednesday. Um, and just the traditions that go with that, I mean, you got the bikes, you know, the players on the backs and the American Family Dream Driver, what they call it nowadays. Um, but just... Even the even the five k that was that was this weekend. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it it's just it's another one of those, you know. They built new uh, jumbo screens at Lambo. They turned them on for the first time since so they put the new four k six millimeter screens up. Turned them on over the weekend for the five k, in the Lambo lap, I think they call it. Yeah. So it's just it's it's finally here um and it's it's time yep we we've talked about it for how many months now and we finally get to kind of see what's going to occur is jordan love going to be the guy what's this offense going to look like can the defense kind of put last year's shit performance behind them and and not underperform for the talent that is there 
all, all these things, I mean, even today, looking at the 7.5 over-under for win total, that's a very realistic goal to be at worst 8 and 9, right. seven, and, 7 and 10. I think that's kind of a worst-case scenario. I think that's right about where they will be. Maybe, you know, you look at a team, if you catch them on the right day, you're looking at 10 and 7 and being a potential playoff team pretty quick, pretty easily. Not saying yep. it's going to happen. A lot, of, a lot of these games can go either way. So we were, we were kind of going through it as we were we were sitting there waiting for the meeting to get started. Absolutely. Um, so veteran players report tomorrow. Practice will start Wednesday, twenty sixth. Family night, August fifth. And the first Packer preseason game, I believe, is on the road in Cincinnati on August eleventh. And then they're home for the nineteenth yep. or eighteenth. Whatever Saturday 19, that is, I'm, I'm bad at the calendar. The 19th. Um, you are correct. Thank you. So it's just kind of, it's time. And I do want to touch on just one more thing here, Packers-wise, because I did mention, Sean, I did go to the Packer Hall of Fame. Uh, first time for myself being there since I had worked there, which was the summer and fall of 2017. The pa- Once again, the second and none. Of the the experience that you have in that building for I mean I believe general admission was eighteen bucks so I got a little bit of a discount being a Brown County resident for twelve but the history I mean everywhere you go in there is something incredible yep the you know we did it a little bit backwards in the sense that when you first walk in there is like a short what ten minute movie. Yeah, I don't, we even, up doing that I don't last, even think it was that. But less than 10 minutes kind of gets you hyped up for everything. They've got, you first walk in, the first thing you see is this like board of the history of how, really puts in perspective how long the Green Bay Packers have been around. You look at, it has all the different teams that have been NFL teams when they started, and, and for a lot of them, when they folded. Right. You know, you throw in the different New York Yanks and the New York Red Sox and the Boston Yankees football team and all these other football teams that had a stint but didn't survive. Even when you look at the, the Bears and the Cardinals, how many times they've changed. You go from like the Decatur Staley's in the case of the Bears to you know the Chicago Cardinals and the Chicago Bears. And you look at like even the Arizona Cardinals, who are one of the longer franchises in history, but started off in the Midwest too before mm-hmm. going to Phoenix. Yep. <coughs> So you look at and it just it puts that in perspective and they've got and they've got like a new interactive display where you can kind of, you know, relive or recreate the Packers greatest throws like with kind of like the Xbox Connect in a way yep. or it's got that virtual integration. Um they've got stuff from last season. They've got the the always they've got this really cool um kind of equipment piece by piece piece where if you look at it straight ahead Looks like one solid thing, but then it's got the shoulder pads, the jersey, the socks, the shoes, the knee pads, all that stuff that goes into an NFL equipment for yep. a game. They've got the, just the history of the footballs that have been used, and then pointing out the one that they used in like the early or the late fifties or forties, where it's a white football because they had to have something to play at night. At night, in the you know with the very few stadium lights that were mm-hmm. even a thing back then. Um, even the, like the draft. All the draft stuff that they had, they had the wingspan of David Bakhtiari, the foot or the shoe size of 
who was it? Gilbert, Gilbert Brown. Brown. They've got the hand size of Brett Favre and Dorsey Levins and um, the the changing exhibit that they always have in that back corner uh, was the history of the Packers playing internationally. A couple times in Canada, couple, one time in Tokyo. Obviously, those are all preseason games. And then last year's London well, trip. The one was a playoff game. When was that? I think that was the Tokyo one a playoff game? That was or an exhibition game. It was an exhibition I th- game. I thought there was some playoff game that for some reason was, or was that earlier? Oh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And there might have been one. I think I think there was one quite some time ago. Yeah, quite like some the, time. Like the 1930s. Yeah, that's um, what it was. But they had like the Tokyo, like the, I think that was in 98. Mm-hmm. The Tokyo, the America Bowl or whatever they called it. But, so just the different things with that. And I think just puts in, again, the perspective of the international appeal of the Packers. And then you go up the escalator, and it's every uniform the Packers have worn. And you kind of go around the upstairs area, and it's got, you know, the humble beginnings, and it's got the film clips, and some of the stuff from, like, the early days. And then you go to Lombardi's office, and they've got, like, the different stuff of the Lombardi era, and the Ice Bowl Theater, which is... One of the cooler things, I think, up yeah, there. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Uh, where they've got, like, two fan. They've got, I think, replica bleachers from the original stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, you sit on, you watch, like, a again, probably, like, a 10-minute, less than 10-minute movie, and it's got Dave Robinson's voice. It's got two fans who, like, have s- steam coming out of their breath, uh, listening to transistor radios as it kind of goes through the highlights of the game. Um, you go out, and it shows, like, all the different things, like, the... The Packers' wives got like the china platter and and the tea sets that were part of like the Super Bowl ring package back mm-hmm. then. Um, the different Super Bowl rings, the different jerseys of the different decades of of the '90s and the the 2000s. The Aaron Rodgers title belt that's on the, you know, that he wore at the Super Bowl that some fan gave to Clay Matthews. Um, and all this stuff. And you you really think about just first of all the fact that so many people held on to some of this stuff or these players held on to this stuff to have for this museum. And again, how a one-of-a-kind, two-story museum for the smallest market team in football mm-hmm. is this huge draw. Right. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. What was your favorite part of it? I, I want to ask. I think it was cool seeing the early, like the Curly Lambo stuff. And, you know that part and then also when we walked down when we were downstairs and we walked to the back room and just looking at all the pro football hall of famers that are the lockers or yeah the, the hall of the fame lockers, lockers and everybody in the packer hall of fame mm-hmm. the so. footballs for the packer hall of fame and then you go to that next room and it's got the different lockers of the guys who are in the nfl hall of fame which all those guys which it was kind of cool, and I know I'm not the biggest Leroy Butler fan, but you see the Leroy Butler stuff. You see the Charles Woodson stuff. Um, I believe Ted Thompson had his new, because mm-hmm. that's new since I was last there. Um, just the different stops. I mean, the, the different things are in those lockers. And then, of course, seeing all the trophies. That is always... That that was... I, I don't remember seeing the old school trophies from the 30s and the... Oh yeah, yeah. Those yeah. those ones. I don't remember seeing those the last time I was there. Sure. They've got the Hallis trophies. The NFL, like literally, I mean they're almost like it looks like a golf trophy or a NASCAR trophy. Right. 
um, prior to the, the current Super Bowl trophy. Um, just, I mean, again, one-of-a-kind thing that I don't think is most teams have that ability to do that. No, not many. And even for what it's worth, you know, I know you had pointed this out, and I didn't, I didn't realize this when I worked there, but just the kind of the coloration, the difference between the first two Super Bowl trophies and then the most recent two. Mm-hmm. Um, just, again, second to none for the city of Green Bay in Green right. Bay football. Um, and just one of the things that we are lucky enough to have in our back pocket, in our backyard. Right, that we can go visit any day we want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, as mentioned, Green Bay Packers football getting started here in a couple weeks. Uh, training camp later this week, and then that first preseason game in August. Uh, August 11th will be the first game. The Friday night in Cincinnati, home games the 19th and 26th. So, with the week off then for roster cuts... Packers get underway in Chicago regular season, September tenth. I'm ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we haven't really done a whole lot of talk on the Wisconsin Badgers football. Uh, it's still in that kind of dead period before the actual start of their training camp and their start of their season. Um, really, I guess all I really have on them right now is just this the the sheer fact of that it, I'm very excited for their season, too. And they have a different level of curiosity. You know, you kind of look at this changing of the guard for the style of football that's going to be played in Madison with the the air raid offense and a new head coach kind of having that, really that first quote-unquote big-time coach right? with Luke Fickle. Um, Since Barry Alvarez. Yeah, and he, even I don't think he was the same level of no. draw. No, no. At first, when he first got hired, the 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 splash hire, yep, that was Luke Fickle, um, and we're I believe we're just about a month out from Badger football getting underway. Uh, first Badger game will be in Madison, September second, so just over a month away. Uh, Badger football opening line on that one is already out at Badgers minus twenty four taking on the Buffalo Bison. Uh, two thirty kick Buffalo. on nine nine two. Um, you look at the Badger schedule just real quick here. There's a very realistic like you're kind of looking at it like in ten and two, eleven and one regular season, right? And that's purely just based on a scheduling standpoint, but also at the same time, I mean. You've improved in a lot of areas, and no one really knows what to scout for, what's coming. But at the same time, you have, you know, two of the best running backs in the country from last year as well. So you're not going to totally change philosophy either. So Badger football coming up. We'll probably have more of that as we get closer, as practice gets, I believe, started here pretty quick, all things considered. Um, And that's pretty much a wrap for the current news around the state of Wisconsin sports. Yep. Uh, with that, Sean, we can kind of just talk about here what we are rooting for in the upcoming week because we are back, like I said, we are back to our week-to-week schedule. Um, I'm thinking I'm just going to take the um, um, game. Yeah, that's where I, w- I was going to go to. And 
Packers football and I'm, Packer I'm, training I'm, camp yeah, and training camp everything. The now start and... of everything getting back underway. It is Wisconsin sports time. High school football is pretty close itself too. I'm just jacked. I really am. I, yep. I, that's it's just one of my favorite times of the year. Between baseball getting more intense, NFL season starting ramping up, college football ramping up, high school football even here in a local perspective. I'll have to get on Justin's ass about getting back to the back to the root show. Yep. Uh, because it, it's that time of year. It's it's gonna be a it's a fun time. Um, cannot wait for this upcoming month or so, and really two months of August and September sports. Um, so with that in mind, uh, that leaves us just a couple things here to do. First, we've got our bar of the week, and I'm gonna go a little bit fancy on this one. Um, <laughs> one of the dumb things that Ramsey and I've gotten to do together. And that being, him and I had dinner with the mayor of Green Bay. And it was at a place, downtown Green Bay, called Chef Fusion. Which, again, we... I'm going to be very honest. Ramsey and I had no place being there. He won an auction at a charity event with his mom to do this. For our sake, luckily, the... um, The mayor was nice enough to pay for our dinner, which I think was probably part of it anyway. I'm sure. More than likely. But him and I had dinner at Chef Fusion on 307 North Broadway uh, in Green Bay. Uh, first of all, valet parking. Free Ooh, valet parking. Fancy. Which we did not take advantage of. We should have. It was raining. <laughs> um, they have, they call it, It's a their description that they call it is a cozy gastro pub offering two eclectic, I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, two eclectic menus, one casual, one fine dining, plus live music on the weekends. Um, they do have it's a there's two kind of three course options. I guess that's probably what it means. Is there's a three course like fine option, and there's like the three course standard stuff. Um, great food, four point seven stars on Google. Uh, definitely was glad the mayor play, paid for our our dinner because I was not looking forward to that bill at the end of the night. Um, so very, very open. Not a place for Eric usually. No. Gosh, no. But the food was phenomenal. So I will say that. If you are looking for a fine dining option in the city of Green Bay, that's probably your spot. Um, if if you think you are in a position to dine finer than Eric on most nights, <laughs> check it out. Um, like I said, food was good. Great drink options, uh, different craft beers, different craft cocktails, all that stuff. Uh, bourbon flights, F- phenomenal. Um, some of the different reviews. One five-star review from Stephanie Marcus. This came in about a month ago, it says. Uh, this place offered the best restaurant experience I've had, ever had in my life. The food was high quali- very high quality. Choice ingredients, service was excellent. The ambiance was extremely enjoyable with live music. Absolutely delicious food. We chose to do the three-course... Oh, I don't know what the hell that says. With the starter, entree, and dessert. Uh, starters were so filling that we really didn't need our entree, but all three courses were incredible. I highly recommend this restaurant to anybody who is wanting a beautiful restaurant experience. Um, looks like they went with... Creme, they recommend the creme brulee, the lemon butter cake with ice cream, and the bread service. Um, because bread service is the fancy way... You know, like when you go to Olive Garden, they've got the all-you-can-eat breadsticks? Yeah. That's actually formally called bread service. Did not know that. No. So, uh, again, great experience. Shout out to the mayor for 
paying for our dinner and for Ramsey for doing a, a nonprofit auction. Right. Um, and just real quick, Sean, I guess we're not going to do a formal draft, but favorite fair foods, fair style foods. Just kind of running down the list. Let's. I mean, I guess we can do a draft of five each. Oh, jeez. Um, I'll let you go first since it was technically your idea last show. You can have the first pick. You can go either specific or broad as you want. Specific or as broad as I want. All right. So I'm going to go with cream puffs. Cream puffs. Yep. Solid that's, option. That's going to be my, my number one pick. All right. Because cream, right. cream puffs from State Fair are always good. Ooh, that is true. That puts me in a hell of a spot. Um, I'm going to have to go dessert as well. We'll go funnel cakes. Yeah, Everyone loves funnel yep. cakes. So funnel cakes is going to be my, my number one pick for myself. Uh, snake style here. Um, so I'm going to go back to back. I'm going to go with good old-fashioned battered corn dog. Not something I usually get, but it's also it's just a classic. It's a staple yep. of fair food, so I had to go with the corn dog. Uh, I'm uh I'll go with cheese curds. Okay. Either beer battered or just regular cheese curds. Okay. And uh then next I'll go. I'm gonna take Shauna's from a while ago and do the lemonade from the, the Jill Fair. The toothless kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the approval approved nod right now. Perfect. <laughs> um I'm gonna go with a little bit of a controversial one here apparently, and I did not know this was controversial. But I'm gonna go with cheese fries. I love a good cheese fry. Um, the thinner the fry, the better. Sometimes, yeah. Because I'm not a, a hot take here. I think crinkle cut fries suck. Well, that, as that's where you're wrong. I think it's just too much potato. But I love a good like a like almost like a McDonald's style fry with cheese. So you get so you like nacho fries. I love nacho fries. That that might be the best thing I talk about going right now. No, not even close. Um, I, I and think, then I think they suck. With my line. fourth pick, I'm going to go a simple cheeseburger. Wow. I mean, you get that that true that guy who's been grilling since nine a.m. or eight a.m. <laughs> the onions, the bun. It's like a cheap grocery store bun. There's just something yeah, about it though. There's some about when it. When you're at a fair and it's greasy, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So good old fashioned cheeseburger. Um. So we didn't go to the Kiwanee County Fair this year, but last year when we went, they have a dollar strawberry sundae. Ooh. And that's what I'm going with next. And then the last I, pick. And then my last pick, I'm th- I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take your route and go just an old fashioned brat. Solid choice. From from a little civic stand, a little FFA stand, something like that. That's where I'm gonna go. I need a beverage. Some drop salt yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with. I know that's again probably an unpopular opinion in this household, but honestly, a good Sundrop slash. First of all, I think Sundrop is the superior citrus soda. Oh, 100 percent. Especially that the good old fashioned glass bottle one. Yep. Far beats out regular Sundrop, and it far beats out Mountain Dew. Yep. Nothing beats a glass bottle Sundrop. But a Sundrop slush. Only in like the peak northeast Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Is a one of a kind delicacy. Yep. That is a staple of both of our childhood. Yep. Um, so that is my my beverage of choice. So just kind of going through. So you were cream puff, cream puff, cheese curds, um, the lemonade, lemonade, ice cream, and brat. Yep. I went um, funnel cake, funnel cake, cheeseburger, cheese fries, corn dog, corn dog, and. Sundrop slush. Yep. 
That sounds like an awesome afternoon. It does. Might need to make this happen sooner rather than later. Also sounds like a heart attack, but... It, someone's gonna kill. Someone's gotta kill you in this life. <laughs> it might as well be fair some food. good fair food. <laughs> all right, Sean. We've done basically all the business we need to. Any parting thoughts you got on the week and and the day that was Packer shareholder meeting? Packer back. No, I, I'm I'm gonna say if you know somebody that's a shareholder or if you are yourself, the meeting was actually fun to go to. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it was way better than I expected it to be. Absolutely. Take the day off, go to the meeting, make a whole... Uh, that's what we did. We right. made a whole day of it, went to the whole, you know, little... Not even a staycation, but a staycation, if mm. you will. Packer Hall of Fame, the meeting, Packer Pro Shop, little lunch at Cream of Distillery. If you want to stay on grounds and really do the Packer stuff, go to 1919. Yep, we thought about it, but there was too many people there, so... So, make a day of it. Spend a little time in Green Bay. Be sure to hit training camp at the Clean Weeks. You'll be sure to hit a Tim Brower game slash Shanty Bin game. All the stuff in Wisconsin, Green Bay Rockers, and every other team in the Northwoods League. Get out and see some events. Uh, WIR race, we'll talk about that next week, but that race coming up as well. For Shauna, Ramsey, Justin, who aren't here, myself and Sean, we're out. Episode 120 is in the book. See ya. See ya.